Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to Warden's Watch Wild where we talk to wildlife professionals. Brought to you by the Village Gun Store, Whitefield, New Hampshire. I'm your host, Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and this is Warden's Watch Wild. And on this Warden's Watch Wild, we are with... The Moose Man, Rick Libby. To get a name like that, and we're, we're wrapping up, Rick, we're wrapping up our uh, series on moose where we talked to Alex A. about regional uh, research that's going on as well as the ticks. And yes. we talked to uh, the main moose biologist. And you're kind of the consumer, the Moose Man, uh-huh. who consumes it and mostly photography, started photography, went into videos from the East Coast to Alaska, correct? That's correct. Yep. Uh, that's pr- how how'd you get your start in Moose Man? <laughs> well, the start came long before Moose Man was even thought of or a company or anything like that. Uh-huh. So the very start of it was just moving to New Hampshire from Massachusetts in the late 70s. And I was working for State Highway, plowing snow. And one of my coworkers had a remote camp in northern Maine. And um, he invited me to go up, and that was 1981. 
saw my first cow moose, you know, just standing there in the grass on the side of the bog and something just happened to me, you know, <laughs> I just, it did something, something happened and uh, I'll never forget That's it. I great. still remember that moose and here we are years later. I got a journal kept on just my main moose encounters from that one bog because I've been there <laughs> dozens of times at this point. But I've got a log listing 3,700 moose encounters. Wow. At that one at that one bog. Yeah, pretty special place. I mean, a lot of moose, obviously, throughout New England and different places. But this one particular bog that, that he had this remote camp on, it was some it was the per- perfect recipe for moose to live. And the density was was pretty crazy. I mean, I go in for a week and see, you know, between two and three hundred moose. I mean, obviously wow. not all different moose. But I, I'd have between two and three hundred encounters in a week. Huh. And, you know? and most of that was done from your kayak or? From the kayak. And that was the key. I didn't do very well. I started in a canoe. Yeah. But of course, I got foiled a lot. The bigger canoe was longer. Just right. the moose didn't react the same way to the canoe as they did to the kayak. To the kayak, they said, oh, you know, to the canoe, they were a little more cautious. Hmm. Yeah, These were moose that weren't used to seeing people. So you had to use those those techniques, you know, camouflage, sneaking around on the shorelines, um, but still letting them see you and not surprising them, you know, just letting them see and kind of get comfortable with you being there. And that real slow and steady approach only to a safe distance and let them settle in. Mm-hmm. When the moose would go back to feeding, you know, resume feeding, I was kind of like all set, you know. Right. What I didn't want them doing was trotting off, you know, and kind of disturbing them from doing what they were doing. Right. So, so then you'd start taking photographs at that point? Yeah. So back then, of course, it was Kodak film. You know, it was a whole yeah. different game. Kodak film, Nikon film cameras, manual focus lenses, no autofocus, no no video. You know, you, you're timing your shots because your 36 exposure is going to run out, you know, and you're <laughs> right in the middle with a big bull. Yeah. It was so different back then, you know? Yeah. Um, you're not kidding. Definitely different. Uh, you, Just a you, different game. Yeah, and you, so, you you were trying to catch that perfect thing with 36 shots, and then you get a reload. Uh, yeah, reload. And you never knew what you had. Nowadays, we just look on the back of our monitor, you know, there's right, your photo. <laughs> right. Back then, you didn't know it was on the film. <laughs> yeah, so get that so, developed and, and, and go from there. And you started selling those photos, didn't you, Rick? I did. Um, so that was, like I said, that was uh, the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then in the 90s, I really started frequenting New Hampshire a lot. You know, Pittsburgh, Moose Alley, that whole thing. Staying at the lodges up there, doing that gig. And still no Moose Man. By uh, early 2000, I was back in Maine doing extended trips to that same bog. I actually started going in by float plane a lot. Hmm. Staying staying longer. Um, and then I started thinking about actually maybe selling some photographs and people started calling me Moose Man just out of the blue. <laughs> I was work- By that time, I was working in a health food store. I left the state, quit that job and went on to another career. And um, people just started calling me Moose Man. I was showing them all my pictures. Yeah. In 2005, I said, well, we might as well call it Moose Man, form the company. Took me four years to go from, you know, forming a company to going full-time. Wow. By 2009, it was full-time. We've just never looked back. Libby came along in 2015 and we just been, we just been, we're living a dream life. We're just 
really content with ourselves and yeah, just, just having a, a wonderful, wonderful life. Be- you because know? your addiction is not unusual. There are many, many, many people that love moose. They sure are. From all over the world. Yeah. I mean, I just notice on our, on our social media and stuff, we have people watching from some of the most faraway places, yes. you know, asking questions. Um, it's a blast. Yeah. But you're right. So, so many people, there's so many people that love moose. And what is it? And you try to ask the question, why? And sometimes the answers are right there, but other times it's, I don't know, you got to dig for it. Yeah, no, and I, I'm with you. I I love moose, and if you ask me why, I don't know. They're kind of lanky. They're kind of goofy. I always wondered how the bulls got through, you know, some of these cuts and stuff with their antlers. And then sometimes you can hear them coming through as they don't care and whackety whack 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 whack. Uh, All the time, silent as a ghost, and that's I think yeah. that what you're talking about right now. That's one of my and my wife too. It's one of our favorite things about moose. Is either how loud they can be and noisy or how silent and you don't hear a twig snap. They got, you know, 50 plus inches of antlers and they're getting through these places that we'd have trouble walking through. It's like, you know, you know, you've seen it twisting their head, protecting the velvet and just the whole thing. They're amazing creatures. Yeah. And being a game warden in northern New Hampshire, we used to have a lot Mm -hmm. of damage from moose, uh, from farmers and fencing to uh, maple syrup producers and stuff. And what I learned, if moose can see it, generally they go around it. So I had some of the farmers extend their fences up high. And one farmer agreed to do it. He goes, I'll try it, Wayne, on this section they keep going through, but I don't believe it's going to work. So he extended it up and we, we put some wide stuff up there so they could see it. And he watched the moose go right up to it and turn and go around that corner that they always, always go through. And he called me up. He's like, okay, you made me a believer. He goes, I've just watched this moose walk up to the thing that they always go through and avoid that and go around. I don't know if he went through any other place, Wayne, but uh, that that spot, they, they when they see it, they avoid it, which I thought was really cool. And then I brought in that into maple syrup, especially main lines and stuff. I'm like, you need to get it up higher and maybe we can put some mylar tape on it because if they see it, they're not going to go through it. And, you know, when a maple syrup guy is uh, getting all that sap on, uh, draining down on a good day and a moose goes through and takes his main two-inch line down, uh, they're, they're not happy campers. So <laughs> to, to, to take that and then to apply it and see that that worked as well, I think w- w- was pretty huge uh, just because uh, they're, they're, they're smart animals and they're not stupid. But like you said, they can tilt their heads. They know when they're going through stuff. And when they're in a rush, sometimes they just don't care. Sometimes they just don't care. <laughs> and that just, those are there's such extremes, one from the other. Uh, I, I like them. I like the quiet, the quiet better than the, you know, the crashing off. But, but the surprise when they're quiet. So one time I was hunting in, in Colebrook and I was watching a cow. Oh, she was probably 40 feet away. And I was just standing there as the fir tree that was probably, I, I was like right against the fir tree. As the other side of the fir tree emerged a bull that I, I think I was probably from his antlers, probably two feet away when he stepped out. And you, you want to talk about silent and you want to talk about unnerving uh yeah. and, I, and i'm sure you've yeah. had things like that happen 
I am. Yeah, absolutely. Just out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. These big animals emerge. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, those are the days I wish I had, like, the old GoPro strapped on me uh, for, for that, because uh, that experience was just, just an epic experience, something it was just never saw that coming. Uh, it was, it was you don't re- forget those. No, no. <laughs> so let's hear one of those incidents. And you're in Alaska right now. I wanted to let everybody know, because uh, you're an East Coast guy, yeah. but you're in Alaska now. And you're there for a we little are bit. In Alaska right now. We've been here since August 9th. Today's uh, what is it, twenty sixth, I guess. Yeah. So you know, velvet shedding, the, the classic date is my buddy Michael from Wild and Exposed. His birthday is August twenty-third. Yeah. And in the moose world, that's pretty much the beginning of shedding velvet. Nice. Um, within a few days anyway. Uh-huh. One of my favorite bulls here just just shedded yesterday and just shed yesterday. And oh, what a blast watching him do that. I mean, it's a 60-plus inch bull, and it didn't take him much more of an hour than an hour, and he already had the big pot coming off the paddles. He was doing a, making quick work of it. So just rubbing like just crazy? Crazy. Yes, his excitement. Yeah. I mean, he just found some alders that he liked, got in the middle of them, just thrashed around, a little bit of shaking, and he went from one little two-inch shred hanging when we first found him, just a single strand, yeah. nothing else anywhere. No splits, nothing to, like I said, coming off the main part of the paddle an hour later after huh. he got done with his business. Huh. <laughs> just, uh, just to be able to watch that, you yeah. know, um, without disturbing him mm-hmm. is pretty incredible. Yeah, no doubt. How, how close do your cameras get? I mean, like, like you're standing there? You know, the, the situation always varies. Um Always watching for body language, always watching, you know, moose. And I love, and Libby, I think, loves it more than more than I do. Just teaching someone who doesn't know how to understand the body language of a moose. Mm-hmm. It's fun to teach other people, both adults and kids. Mm-hmm. But, um, they just don't know. It's yeah. not like they're trying to be disrespectful, but they just don't understand. So they might do things that they shouldn't, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so part of it, getting back to the question, is just watching that, watching, and then dictating where we can be. You know, the the cameras are powerful today. Yeah. We just we can, you know, distance distance thirty years ago used to be a big challenge, right? You know, getting a clean photo with film that mm-hmm. was challenging. Today, it is so powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, between megapixels and everything you got to work with, the quality of the lenses today, right? You just you get to work from huh. further away, and um, it's a better experience for everybody. You know? Right. And you, you, we were talking earlier, you even transitioned from still photos to total video. Right. So that, you know, even though a lot of the photographs today, we're shooting, we're off tripods because of just the quality of the mirrorless cameras. And mm-hmm. the, you can shoot slow shutter speeds to get clean photographs these days. Um, but once you get in the video game, you're back married to a tripod. So that's a whole nother way of working. You have to, you have to be mindful of, you know, a tripod can trip you up when you're trying to stay safe from a moose and keep mm. everything aesthetic. You got to be thinking of a lot of different things. And the tripod just puts another factor in there mm. that you wouldn't have if you just had your camera and you were walking along. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember me and Mike Matson opening day of moose season in New Hampshire one day. We got into, I think we saw 13 bulls in just a very small area. And this one wow. young one, of course, uh, wardens love to mess with moose, so we don't mind grunting at them and trying to see if we can get them all fired up. This young, he was like 35-inch paddles and just, I mean, he came right up. I had to go around a tree. We were going, doing the dance of... Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm around a big enough tree, so you stay on that side, I stay on this side. And, uh, you know, I had stopped grunting to him a long time before, and now it was serious, and I wasn't too happy about it. <laughs> hey, we've got to have that tree, right? Yeah. have that tree. Yeah, but we did that dance. Uh, I had probably 30 or 40 minutes before he gave up. You know, I just kept moving around the tree, go to the other side, move around the tree, move around the tree, you know, and knowing that I Ooh. created the situation anyways. <laughs> That's right. Oh, but that that was fun <laughs> to a degree. Now I can say it was fun. Then it was like, uh, oh boy, here we go. I, I didn't think this was going to happen. I, I thought, you know, he'd get in and figure out who I was and, and be on his way. But no, he, he wanted to hang out. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, and those younger ones. Boy, mm. yeah, those are the ones, aren't they? Yeah, they yes. are. They are. They're they are. curious. They, yep. they they don't care because, uh, frankly, they're not top of the food chain, so to speak. So, you know. That they're, they're frustrated. Yeah. They're, they're trying to get whatever they can, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, yep. But, yeah, because yeah. those, those, those big uh, bulls, they're, they're something to, especially for a smaller moose to deal with. I mean, they, I'm sure you've seen some pretty epic battles. We have at this point. Um, yeah. Remember, it's just five years ago that we got on our first. We I've never seen a battle in New England. Um, you know, familiar, very familiar with Forever Lock Moose Antler Project. Mm. And that whole that whole thing is such a such a wonderful story. Mm. But we never really got on a battle till we got out here to Alaska. We we saw our first fight in seventeen and filmed our first one the following year. Wow! But as time's going on, we're, you know, we're learning, we're, yeah. we're retaining, we're, you know, we're getting a little better at the game. I mean, just, for, I mean, we're not out there a day here, a day there. I mean, we come here, we hit it. I mean, we're talking right now because it's rainy and windy out there or I wouldn't be sitting in this chair. <laughs> you know, I'd be, I'd be four miles out right now. Yeah. yeah. So, but these last couple of years, we've been getting on some really intense battles in really good positions to safely film them. And it's some epic footage. Yeah. It really is. I mean, you get in the right angle and get in the right spot to actually film a fight from the start to the end, from head wagon to, you know, one of them turning around saying, okay, I've had enough. Yeah. Uh, that's a, it's not that easy to do. <laughs> I can't imagine it, really, it is. <laughs> and you don't want to be in the wrong spot. <laughs> you totally don't want to be in the wrong spot. So. Yeah. And and we don't, you know, we don't we don't get into those situations. So. Mm -hmm. but, but we filmed a great one last year, and hey, it's it's all ahead of us now. You know, it won't be long. And next week they'll be sparring and yeah, the rut pits. And I love the progression. I talk about it all the time on like posts and stuff. I just love the slowness of it, the whole moose mm -hmm. rut from the very beginning, and just how you know it doesn't just go rooting down. It's just a slow, steady progression that nothing stops it right right it's it's gonna go it, nothing's gonna stop it it's just nature but it's slowly steadily mm -hmm. peaking yeah i just and then the, the post rut the secondary yeah i love it mm. and you're right that head wagging um oh. 
and, and I probably told this story on the podcast before because it's one of uh, one of those near death experiences I had. So I had just watched something on you know like uh, Nat Geo or something uh, yeah. about moose, and the, the guy was raking the trees and he was raising his hands and rocking back and forth uh, like a bull. So we had this cow that had brainworm and she was going around in circles like they do in brainworm. But we had to put her down, but she was too close to the houses. So the trooper that was there, a good friend of mine, I said, well, I said, I just saw something on that geo last night about, you know, trying to do this. I said, I'll see you that. And it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek type thing, you know, Rick. It was just I wasn't expecting anything to happen. So the trooper had a shotgun there and stuff, and I went out and I started grunting and wagging, you know, with my arms raised, rocking back and forth, grunting. She straightened out like an arrow and started, it was running dead at me. And I'm in an open field, you know, adjacent <laughs> to these houses. And she's on a dead run and I am looking and there is no way I am going to beat her anywhere, anywhere. I am like, and it's that, that pucker factor you get that, what what did I just do? And the yep. tr- trooper was there with a shotgun and he, he was a sniper in the military, uh, Pete Pelletier. And, uh, he, he, he made the shot and had to put her down, which we were going to have to anyways. But, right. um, thank goodness. Uh, cause I, I, I was some nerved up. Uh, I was, uh, like, uh, this, this was probably the wrong thing to do, but I didn't expect it to work. Um, so. <laughs> do you do any of that behavior type stuff to attract them, to get them closer or anything? Um, I'd have to say no. Okay. Um, you think about it and <laughs> my wife is constantly reminding me not to. She's not a, she comes from a place of deep respect for, um, just not disturbing wildlife. Mm-hmm. I mean, she loves it as much or more than I do, but, um, she's pretty good at Keeping me in line. Yeah. In no. that, little, that, that little area. I mean, it's, yeah, it's cool. May I interject? <laughs> Go ahead. We are in the throes of the rut, right? We have bulls. Here comes Mrs. Lib. And, and cows, plural, in the fray. Yeah. We're in a small area with, with trees and, and swampy tundra and ankle grabbing little willows. You don't need to incite these animals beyond the already escalated already. Uh, hormone levels that they're experiencing. The last thing we want to do is light the match that ignites the bomb that goes off. As it is, yes. we are clutching pearls while we're filming because we have to really work around trees. Because when you get a bull in there with a harem of six or nine cows and you can't see them, and they pop out of nowhere. Right. And then you got the satellite bulls chasing the cows from the periphery. L- let me tell you, it get your heart does not stop ticking <laughs> until you climb out of that valley. <laughs> so no, we don't call the bulls. <laughs> uh, that was a great description. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, yeah, yeah. One, wonderful stuff. Adrenaline um, pumping, flowing through it. Yeah, that's that. That's pretty awesome. All- so all the different behaviors, I don't know if there's a favorite one. There's so many of them. You've seen a lot of it, I'm yeah. sure, with all your years. Like you said, the head wagon. I don't know. I enjoy the sparring a lot at uh-huh. practice. Yeah. And then a big giant bull and a little like two-year-old, and the big one's teaching the little one. It's so fun to watch. <laughs> and there is teaching going on there. You, uh-huh. you gotta believe it. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
And then, we had a couple bulls last year. One of them's a dominant bull in the area. He's bedded. And he's a one of his another big bull lives in the same area as he does. We call him mismatch. He's got tremendous issues. He's got a broken skull. He's blind in right eye. He broke his right antler off in 2018, completely off, broke his royal, broke his brow, and crushed his skull. I mean, this guy has issues, but he just keeps on living. So last year, 22 of the dominant bull, healthy, he's bedded, mismatch, gets up, he's standing next to him. So he decides he wants to spa with 22 while 22 is bedded. 22 puts up for a while, you know, they're just that light touching, you know, they just got done shedding velvet. And um, after a while, you see mismatch just starting to push a little harder. <laughs> and he's not, and 22 is laying down on the ground. And that bull mismatch is pushing, he's pushing. His, I saw him when he locked his front front legs, Yeah, push even harder. 22 says, ah, <laughs> nope, he gets, you know, and then mismatch goes, turns around, backs off. <laughs> You see some amazingly great stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you need live. Oh, yeah. We do. Yeah. Yeah, And we're we're filming all this, you know? And so. And people can see this on your YouTube page, correct? YouTube is the best place to go. You know, it's it's full resolution on there. Facebook is good, but it degrades it a little bit. Yeah. But YouTube is full 4K, you know, nice high quality. Yeah. Yep. So it's Moose Man Photos on YouTube? Yeah. it's Moose Man Nature Photos on both channels. Okay. Uh, that's, that's the actual photos. name of the company. Okay. Moose Man, Moose Man was taken, so Moose Man Nature Photos is the company. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, describes you guys well. So um, Pretty good. Uh, yeah. Good YouTube channel. So if, if someone wanted to get into like doing, doing some wildlife photography moose. or some video of moose, uh, well, could, could you give them like a, a – like a, <laughs> I don't want to say like a, 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 a crash course because I think with moose that's not a good description. <laughs> but right. uh, you know, well, <clears throat> I guess these days, these days it kind of makes a difference. We are, I guess. Um, we haven't touched on on the tick thing in New England yet, right? Really, but let's talk about really it. Where, where it, you but... are is important when you start doing this stuff because you started in New England and now you're in Alaska. Yeah, and I think. You and I had a couple phone conversations, and I think we touched on this. I mean, I started seeing it in 2014 back in Maine. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, it was still that area that I described where I saw so many moose. Mm-hmm. Just started seeing something was off in 14, but I met Libby in 15, took her to my special place. I mm-hmm. was so excited to be bringing her there. It The population just crashed. And as I said to you before, this, it broke my heart. Mm. When, when that crash happened, I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know how to process it. I didn't know. I didn't know what to do with my feelings mm-hmm. about it. Um, let alone not being able to go there and do what I loved, you know, for right. a week or two at a time. I just, mm. I didn't know how to handle it. Mm. And 2016, we ended up here. Wow. That was quick. <laughs> and, and where in Alaska are you? We're in South central. Um, we're, we're doing, you know, two gosh mountain areas, uh, different areas. But, um, southern Alaska just, just sounds weird. <laughs> it's not like Southern New Hampshire or Southern, you know, it's just when you say Southern, everybody thinks warmer and Alaska. I don't just, well, you do get though, you get like Sitka, Juneau, uh, definitely has different weather than the rest of Alaska. So, but, uh, right. so you're down like Wrangell, St. Elias or North of that? I believe a little South of that. Yeah. Okay. But same area, same yep. area. Yeah. Um, 
So for folks wanting to get into it, though, regardless of where you live, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's a lot of ways to research and, and get good locations to try. Yeah. Right. Once you once you settle in on those, um, as far as actually filming moose, I think probably the biggest mistake someone could make would be just trying to rush things, maybe trying to trying to uh, close the distance too quickly. Mm. Letting your letting your excitement kind of, you know, you find you found your moose. Wow, you, yeah. you found your moose. Letting that excitement kind of get the best of you. And um, it's probably not gonna go right. Mm. I've really found, and this goes way back to the to the 80s and, and 90s, just that slow, slow approach. Let allow the animal to see you from a distance and kind of let it settle back in. And you know, there's that old technique when you're on the water, you know, if you're in your kayak, the, the moose, the bulls feeding, you know, his head's underwater, you know, you do a few <laughs> paddles while his head's under, right? And then uh, when he puts his head up, you stop, you just coast. Yeah. But um, you're still closing the distance and they pick up on it. Yeah. But no doubt. I would say not to rush the animals, the slow, steady approach and um, proper gear. You know, proper gear. There's cameras today that allow you to work from greater distances. Um, there's a lot of people doing it today with stuff like, uh, I don't know, a Nikon 200 to 500 lens is a really good moose lens or mm-hmm. a Sony. A lot of people are using Sony cameras today. Mm-hmm. They make a lens that's got a range of two to 600. It's an awesome lens. You, wow. know? you can get it for a decent price. And um, that, that's a lot of power to work mm. with. So, And it's a very typical thing that someone just starting out would be using that kind of gear. Right. So, and our phones are pretty good right now, aren't they? I mean, I mean, I, I do a lot with my phone. Yeah, so, yeah, um, they've so. come a long way, you know. Um, shooting shot videos with them, you know, vertical mm-hmm. videos, and then you got, you know, Instagram and all these other things. Yeah, sharing, and yeah. that's kind of the that's kind of the hot trend right now. Is right, that type of thing. They call it whether they call them reels or right, you know, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's that's another another way to do it. Yeah. No. So. Um, and when, how about getting back to the body language for just a couple of minutes, you yeah. know, cause it is pretty simple, but people may not understand it. You know I mean? The, the classic, um, is <laughs> cups forward is what you, this is a really comfortable moose in general, right? In general, right. When I always compare it to a horse, a horse does the same thing. Does the same, exactly. You no, know, it's the same, it's the same thing. They're a yeah. lot alike in a lot of ways, yeah. but, um, but Libby likes to talk about it a lot. It's not just the ears going back. But what you don't want to see is an ear dropping. When they'll drop an ear, especially yeah. one of them, right? Yeah, because it takes it, it takes bull, effort to do that. It does. When yeah. a bull drops his ear and kind of angles his head a little bit, uh-huh. you better have a plan. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, just watching that body language. Of course, the hair on the back, things like that. But um. You know, general rules, you know, just kind of common sense rules. A female moose with a baby, with a cow, with a calf. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like any mother in the wild protecting her, her babies. Bears mm-hmm. do it. Moose, they all, you know, it's just part of being a mother. Yes. You know, humans do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just yeah. being mindful of those. There's a, Go ahead, there's Liv. A, sure. There's a, there's a rather well-known video on uh, YouTube of a cow moose stomping, um, I think I don't know if he was a prof- professor. Somebody going into a in Alaska. 
Yes. Alaska. I've seen that. You've heard That's of all over the net. Yes. The reason that cow attacked, because she attacked him. Yes. And it, it seemingly was out of the blue. No, it wasn't. Students outside had been pelting that poor moose with snowballs like rapid fire machine gun playing like that right prior to that moose going after the first target she found. So that was a provoked attack, but a lot of times with a cow and a calf, it doesn't have to be. She didn't have a calf. Right. A cow with a calf, your head better be on a swivel. And you don't, you don't a lot of times know that there's a calf around because they're not always right next to mom. So yeah, it's, it can be dicey out there for sure. Yeah. We're out in the middle of it. So we're just, we're just, yeah. Always on the watch. I know yeah. a few of us wardens have shot antlers off a of moose that got tangled and stuff. My my boss did it with a big uh-huh. with a bigger bull. I did it with a small bull. We had these wind towers. Before the wind towers came, they had wind tower test towers and they had cable and rope that were going off of them. And I had a very small bull. I mean, when I talk small bull, it was probably maybe a foot antlers and he was tangled in that rope and I actually shot his antler off with my 223 but I thought it charged me and it was coming right at me. And I just thought, uh, I just shot that antler off and now he's going to, now I'm going to have to shoot him. And he, it was a puddle, like probably 20 feet in front of me. And I mean, that, that was probably a little more further than that. It was probably 40 because I wouldn't let him get 20. Uh, and he stuck his head in that puddle and drank it dry. Uh, oh, he was so thirsty. He was so thirsty. And, you know, all I could think of, yeah, all I could think of was I just freed this guy and now I'm going to have to put him down because he wants to kill me. But yeah, so, but he, he, he stuck his head and drank that puddle dry. And then he went to the next puddle and drank that dry. He did that for like five puddles and he was continuing down the mountain drinking puddles dry. Uh, it oh, was too bad you just, didn't have a crew filming that for you. You're not kidding, because so uh, I, I, as wardens, I will say, I mean, and you've seen it on Northwoods Law, they, they've gotten so much great film footage just following us around, and, and all of us, for sure, uh, have, have have a lot of uh, things we've experienced over the years, especially, you know, being a northern warden with moose. I think we've all, exactly. yeah. I got, I got so many stories with those animals, because I, you know, we that was part of most of my job, I'd say. 50% of it when I first got here, I'd wake up in the morning and see where I was going to pick up moose off the road because there was so many of them. There'd be, you know, I'd be covering a couple other uh, patrols and I'd have two, at least two dead moose every morning. So I'd every have to, morning. Every morning. Go up. That was the first thing you did was pick up dead moose. Um, yep. Had a trailer and we, that's, that's when you signed oh. on. It was where I'm going to pick them up. And yeah. And it's, and you're right. I saw it fade and fade and fade and drop and, um, so it became not a problem where they're probably picking up a couple a year and I was picking yeah. a couple a day up when I started, you know, late nineties, early two thousands. So, right. um, and just, in the nineties you go up Pittsburgh. Yeah. You better heyday. be careful, right? Just, just driving up that road. Yeah. <laughs> the heyday of moose. I've oh. never, as a game warden, I had calls pending during moose season. Like they were waiting for me to take calls because they had so many coming in during the opening day of moose season, which I love being busy. So that was just great. And always had investigations going on, just constant. So um, just an exciting time for a game warden in New England for sure. Sorry that the, the new wardens aren't going to experience that because it was epic. And I don't think we're ever going to get to that portion again. I think it was a perfect storm with the cutting that was yes. going on. Um, you know, uh, Alex A. 
Saren always talks about the the environment we had, the the cuts. Uh, the main moose biologist yeah. did as well. I I think you're right, Wayne. Um, I, I I tend to agree with you on that. Um, the bush pilot that I became very good friends with that would fly me into my bog a lot. He kept talking about the the different cycles in nature, but this one thing. I think this is different, don't yep, you? I do. Yeah. And it was partially man-made because of all the wood cutting that was going on and the habitat we were creating for moose because it was just that perfect timing of the cuts growing up, the food sources. Uh, you know, though that's going to take hundreds of years to to re get you know to get that back to where it's a cuttable forest that we can actually simulate that again um, to yeah. that degree. So I'm just, right. and you and you watch the moose here travel for food. So you look at those cuts that are you know three and four years old, and you're going to find moose there. The old older ones you're not going to find them, and the the new ones you're not going to find them. It's just that that stage where they are feeding, and they will travel sometime from zone to zone. You know, zone B. You know, if moose hunting will be Imagine. busy that, but next time C, because there's, there's cuts over there that the timing's right. So the population probably has moved from this zone to that zone, and you, you get a lot more, which I don't think we, you know, look at when we when we talk about how many moose we can, you know, hunt and stuff like that, or actually in the right. population, because they are traveling for their food. So plain and simple from what I've seen. So yeah. I think wow. the biologists would back me up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a moose warden. I'm not a moose man. I'm not a moose biologist. I'm a moose warden. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> oh. It's good to be on here today. This yeah. is a, a great, fun conversation. It's awesome. Yeah. No, thank you very much for joining us and giving the perspective of somebody that uh, is, is out there enjoying it, enjoying, enjoying moose, oh. and then sharing sharing what you're doing because that's what you're doing you're giving i'll tell you wayne a key word right there sharing i mean it it has become just so much of what i want to be and what 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 makes me feel good and i don't know just what humbles me and just Mm. this this whole thing and the sharing part of it is just so great yeah you know whether it's a child or an adult anywhere in between yeah, you're showing okay. them what a lot of them are never going to experience for themselves. Yeah, yeah. And interacting. You know, we don't just put some up there. Hey, look at this. You know, I love to back and forth, talk, explain, yeah. answer questions, all that stuff. It's exactly. just that is good stuff. Very cool. <laughs> You've earned your name, the Moose Man, and I, I certainly appreciate everything you're doing. So, and thank you for sharing. You're very welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Warden's Watch Wild, where we talk to wildlife professionals. Brought to you by the Village Gun Store, Whitefield, New Hampshire. I'm your host, Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and this is Warden's Watch Wild. Wild.